0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. The case of Ethel Major leads us to another poison case taking place in Lincolnshire. The year is 1934. Ethel and Arthur Major seem like just a normal couple living an ordinary life in Kirby-on-Bain, a rural part of Lincolnshire. They had met during the closing months of the First World War, after Arthur had been sent home wounded from the front. They married in the summer of 1918, and subsequently a son was born to them, whom they called Lawrence. However, behind the scenes of this ordinary life, their marriage was one of frequent quarrels and bitter disputes. Things apparently came to a head when gossip began to circulate in their village about Ethel's younger sister, Oriole. Oriel was actually Ethel's daughter, born out of wedlock. To avoid a scandal, Ethel's parents had raised the girl as if she were their own daughter and passed her off as Ethel's sister. But this did not stop the rumours, and when Arthur heard of the story, he confronted Ethel about it. She admitted the rumours were true. Arthur did not take kindly to this bit of news. From time to time, he would flare up in temper, and he became a drunkard. A drunkard with a temper, Not normally a good combo. The marriage turned nasty. Both Ethel and Arthur went to great lengths to attack each other. Arthur even put out an advert in the local newspaper saying he refused to be held responsible for any debts. His wife ran up. Ethel in turn contacted a firm where Arthur worked as a truck driver, telling them he was too drunk to be driving. Nasty goings on. At some point in this sordid story, Ethel received anonymous letters telling her that her husband, Arthur, was having an affair with their neighbour, a rose Kettleborough. It was the last straw for Ethel, and as far as what was reported, Ethel began to think of ways to rid herself of her tiresome husband, once and for all. What did she have in mind? Suffice it to say, Soon after Ethel began to think of ways to rid herself of Arthur, Arthur fell ill. On May 22nd, in fact, he fell ill after eating a corned beef sandwich prepared by Ethel. Corned beef being one of the nation's favourite foods at the time. A doctor was called to see Arthur. He could see that Arthur was in great pain. Arthur was also suffering from muscle contractions that caused his limbs to jerk. The doctor gave Arthur some opium. He seemed to recover, even turning up for work the next morning. But his state quickly deteriorated, and by May 23, 1934, Arthur was sweating, having seizures, and was unable to speak. And this time, the doctor concluded that Arthur was suffering from epilepsy. But the very next day, Ethel calmly turned up at the doctor's surgery and told him that her husband, Arthur, had died. Poor Arthur is dead at 44. Then Ethel briskly got down to the business of organising Arthur's funeral. The police at first believed the doctor's verdict that Arthur had died of epilepsy. But soon a more sinister explanation for Arthur's sudden death emerged. On the day of Arthur's funeral, the local police received an anonymous letter which said that Ethel had poisoned Arthur. The letter was signed... Fear Play. As mourners assembled at the parish church of St Mary's, police who had obtained a warrant to delay Arthur's funeral arrived and halted the service. This fair Play letter almost certainly came from Ethel and Arthur's neighbour, Rose Kettleborough, who had claimed that Ethel had poisoned their dog with a corned beef sandwich, and that the dog had died. The letter went on to accuse Ethel of poisoning Arthur in a similar way. And an autopsy in London found strychnine in Arthur's body. He had died of two doses of strychnine. An autopsy on the dog also found the same strychnine, rat poison. Ethel had poisoned Arthur's Corn beef. The case filled newspapers and gripped corn beef loving brits everywhere. Ethel was brought in for questioning. She protested her innocence, but she made a fatal wrong move. She told detectives that she did not know Arthur had died from strychnine poisoning. No one had told her about the test results showing Arthur had been killed by strychnine. Police carried out a search of Ethel and Arthur's home, searching for evidence of strychnine, but none was found. But they decided to search the house of Ethel's father, Tom Brown, and they found a bottle of strychnine in a wooden chest in his room. Tom Brown told the police officers that he had lost the key to the chest 10 years earlier and he never found it again. Police then found a key among Ethel's belongings. Suspicion was mounting. Without further ado, Mrs Ethel Major was arrested and charged with murder, the murder of her husband Arthur. She made a statement on the 20th of May in which she had plenty to say about Arthur. He was going to kick her and their son out of his house. He drank heavily for the previous seven weeks before his death. He made her life so terrible. She and her son left the house and gone to her father's where they slept in the outhouse. Arthur continually quarrelled with her and constantly threatened to beat her. He led her a miserable existence. She was terrified of him, afraid of staying in the house with him, as she thought he might kill her. Ethel's trial began on the 10th of July. It gripped the country. Many were sympathetic to the actions of a woman who claimed she was the victim of a violent husband, a victim of domestic abuse. It also emerged that Arthur had previously told of his fears that his wife was trying to poison his food. On one occasion, he threw his sandwiches away at lunchtime, telling a colleague, I am damn sure that woman is trying to poison me. Remember Rose Kettleborough, the neighbour? Well... The jury also heard that love letters from her to Arthur were found among Arthur's possessions in his bedroom. Ethel also stated that Arthur had been getting his own food, which he kept in the larder for the night. He packed it up and took it out with him in the mornings. He did not want to leave any of his food in the pantry in the daytime. The reason being he did not intend to keep or to feed her and their son. Despite all the above, the jury took 10 minutes, yes, 10 minutes, to find 42-year-old Ethel Major guilty of the willful murder of her husband, Arthur. But the jury wasn't done yet, no. Not only had they found Ethel guilty, but they also wished that a strong recommendation for mercy be given to the prisoner, that being Ethel. I never understand this. It takes ten minutes, ten quick minutes to find someone guilty of murder and then you ask for them to be shown mercy? I don't get that. Nonetheless, when the judge asked Ethel if she had anything to say upon her verdict of guilty, she said, Yes, I am innocent. On hearing the sentence of death, Ethel collapsed into the arms of a police officer, sobbing, sobbing, sobbing as she was carried away. To save poor Ethel's life, the good people of on Bay, all 300,000 of them, including the Lord Mayor of Hull, campaigned for a reduction of Ethel's sentence and to spare her life. The Lord Mayor claimed that the forthcoming execution caused great distress to the entire female population of Hull, who did not wish to see a woman and mother walk to the gallows. A telegram was even sent to the king, begging for mercy. All to no avail. Ethel Major would never live to see another Christmas Day. On the 19th of December 1934, Ethel was hanged at Hull Prison by Britain's most famous executioner, Albert Pierpoint. In the last 48 hours of her life, she was reported to be in a state of emotional collapse. She was in such distress she had to be half carried to the scaffold. Did Ethel Major have a motive to kill her husband? Was there clear evidence that she had access to poison? There was no evidence that Ethel had taken the strychnine from her father's box, only that she had access to a key that opened it. When fingerprints analysis were done, her fingerprints were not found in the strychnine bottle. Were the jury sure that it was Ethel who had poisoned her husband? It appears Ethel Major was convicted largely on suspicion and circumstantial evidence, even though some say she had the means, the motive and the opportunity. Did the death sentence reflect the terrible circumstances in which Ethel Major had found Both herself and her son? She was the only woman to be executed at Hull Prison. Ethel Major is buried in an unmarked grave in the prison grounds. But did she deserve that? You decide. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. People who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this, uh-huh. you go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.